Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strangers in the midst. Um, how's it going? It's all right. It's a gray day. Gray, sad day. So. Uh, oh yeah, I know. It's pre-March, and March is no better than it, anything. March is yeah. terrible. It's not even. What is March? I don't know. March is probably the fastest climber of suicide rates in the Northeast. I think. You think it's because it's kind of like the false indication that, win- that winter's over. Yeah, it's a well, it's a trick. For some reason, I yeah. remember as a kid of like March coming and suddenly everything was green and the sun shone and I was playing baseball. I agree. I feel like I had a different idea of March when I was young too. That's yeah, true. It was amazing. Like March was something I looked forward to. Where now I'm just like, oh fuck, it's like February too. It's like the second yeah. February. Yeah, the return March of February. February too. I think. I don't think that's, I don't think March has, cha- I mean, climate change notwithstanding, I, I think March is probably the exact same as it was when we were young. I think it's just that thing that nostalgia does to brains where I have this idea of March as being like the start of, the start of spring. Of joy. Yeah. I like that. Nostalgia. No. Nostalgia is just something that kills joy because <laughs> it makes um, you think everything was better and it wasn't, it wasn't better. No, nostalgia is the, yeah, I mean, I think it was from the civilians thing I learned it. Uh, nostalgia, actually, when you break it down, the prefix, suffix, et cetera, it actually translates to the pain of going back. That's what nostalgia is. Wow. And sometimes that pain feels good, you know? But, so deep uh, for our podcast. That's like a really deep thought. Yeah. It's not even my thought. I bar, like any deep thought I have, it's not mine. <laughs> it's just stolen. It's just stolen, stolen from a yeah, place you were in. Just Love ripped. It. But I give credit now. I used to not even give credit. Oh, it's nice. Mine. I'll yeah. also give credit here. Matt Moses, my friend. I remember he said this. He's like, I think March is really depressing because there's a lot more sunshine, but everything is still bare. And it's like you can, the sun is shining a light on the ruins of winter. <laughs> But there's no leaves. It's, it's true, though. You just, just see how dead everything is. You just like, can see how dead it is for longer. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It just <laughs> Moses is a funny guy, man. I love that. That's guy. really good. It's very true, though. Like, it's just right in your face. Like, this is awful and horrible and it hasn't gone away. Yeah, it shines a light on the, the <laughs> decay. Yeah. Um, that being said, yeah, I feel like every time, every intro is really uh, – pretty sad that we have yeah i mean well you're doing a podcast with me you're you're the positive one i I tend to be a bit more down most of the time (laughs) it's usually coming out of a text message where you're like come on your life's good and me going like i don't know the deli doesn't have cyanide i'm confused yeah it usually is uh (laughs) yeah it's probably part of why we started there it's also it gives a nice ramp up like it's all it's all roses from here well i think we're talking about today I mean, yeah. I mean, you joke. You like to joke. You <laughs> suicidal jokes. I think, but if you keep making suicidal jokes, you will start to feel such. You know. I think. Well, that's... you know, here's the weird thing about this, though. Like, is it weird that that like you haven't seen to say this, but like, that's what I grew up with. Like, right, that, right. That was, those were the jokes in my house when I talked to my relatives. <laughs> when I call up my relatives, like that's the first interaction I I get with them is like. I'll be like, hey, Ma, how are you doing? Or like, I'll call my uncle. I'm like, Emmett, what's going on? And the first star, the first comment will be like, I, I guess I'm still here. We'll see, for how, we'll see for how long. We'll see who decides that. And I'm just like, oh, okay. God. 
I do think it's kind of a little bit of of uh, of, of nurture there that just like sure is, yeah is that. yeah yeah I get it. All your family lives in upstate New York, though. I will say I don't want that to be a theme of the show, but it's becoming one. But no, it's good. You keep attacking like Philadelphia, and New York. <laughs> I really do. Um, yeah. Really, every episode, you take nice. a shot at like secondary cities and upstate. Yeah, it's not nice. I'm not a good person. Um, I uh, yeah, but I'm you know we're kind of in a. Yeah, it's a bit of a holding pattern here. We're we're basically we yeah, as I said a few episodes ago, like yeah, we have a nice apartment now in Brooklyn, but it feels like we might not be living here for a few more months. I knew everything is temporary. I told you. Uh it looks like our landlord might want to yeah, we rent. It looks like our landlord might want to sell the place. So we're trying to like figure out what to do, but now we may be having this apartment hunt happening at the same time as I don't know, 58 other things. You know, it it just feels like a kind of crappy you know weird few weeks right now where everything's going wrong you know um oh well oh well now yeah. on to the fun stuff now on to the fun stuff yeah how to make a web series for nothing uh, or you know virtually zero dollars which really you should do you less should than not is it fair to say less than a grand um per season it... well i won't say it's fair to say less than a grand because we we did the first season of adult ed for fifteen hundred dollars so i'll say i'll say oh i don't know for a hundred a few hundred bucks let's just say because you know 15 times 100 is well a few hundreds uh more than a few hundreds but you know what i mean relatively nothing a month's rent well yeah, a month's rent in, in upstate new york in upstate new york like... But yeah, well, so I, I, I just think this is important because a lot of what sparked the very inception of this podcast is people asking, how did you make adult ed? How did you make adult ed? How did you do that? That was so cool. And the run that it had, which was very fortunate. Um, but, you know, we, we did it basically. We just uh, It was just a lot of favor asking. And I, I think what happened was before I ever made it, we ever made it, we, both of us had independently been seeing so many like, kickstarters and crowdrise campaigns for upwards of 20 to thirty thousand yeah. dollars to fund my web series or short film or i mean which i was just like where are they spending their money you know well, also you were in a few because i remember you and i would have conversations yeah. like you would call me and you'd be like yeah i'm on the set of this web series and i'd be like oh interesting like how much is the budget and you'd be like i think they raised twenty five thousand dollars on kickstarter and I'd, i would lose my mind yeah I'd start yelling i think in the street yeah yeah. And uh, it was kind of like, well, here's the other thing. We can get into that a little bit later. But um, right. Yeah. When you see these like this money getting tossed around and you're like, whoa, cool. This seems useful. But then once we finally did it ourselves. And at that point, I think I'd been burnt out on Kickstarter because our theater company uh, had just done a big campaign for a season. We raised like $20,000. I, I was like, I have put a moratorium on asking random friends who I went to high school with for money. I can't do that. Like probably ever again. So I, I think you and I have never, we've never done a Kickstarter or anything no. like that. And I, I feel like we'd be really reluctant to, unless we were to have a big shot for a feature. I, I don't think we could, I just can't do that <laughs> again. It was I so think, hard. I think we would have to have actual fans. Yeah, yeah, I think so. If you're building off of a base of people that are not your friends, yeah, then it's different. Like yeah, Spike Lee crowdfunded a film. It, I mean, many famous directors. It's just different than my mom having to use her Facebook to actively shame people, oh, going like, oh. Georgia, have you, like, her status being Georgia, have you 
have you donated to like my son's film is is something that I I'm, I'm just not ready to ever. No, do. I've already I'm I've already like the way I, my hand my attitude with like even like this podcast the way I've reviewed it is like basically I've gone into my mother's iTunes app on her phone that she hardly knows how to use. <laughs> and I review my, it's, I don't even ask her to write a review. I just, when she's not looking, I get into her phone <laughs> and I review my podcast five stars. And I do the same thing to my wife. She actually noticed the other day that like, there was like a browser window that came up with like our thing on it with a review written. And I guess like a lot of couples struggle with like, I saw you cheating on me or you're looking at porn. I am hurt. My illicit pleasure, I guess, in this regard was uh, raking your own work, stealing her computer to, to rate my own work from her, her accounts. So this, if this, I mean, this is success. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, so basically I'm tapped out on, on tech funding. Yeah. I, I will say so. So I, I, I don't know how we get back to the topic, but basically seeing all these like campaigns with like these bloated, to me, bloated seeming budgets, I just, I was done. I couldn't do that. So I was like, how do we make this for zero? And I guess as we've discussed before, like Sean and I have a decent amount of experience because of theater, how to make things practical for very little. Um, where did we start first with adult debt? Like, where did we kind of, well, with the actors or... Yeah, I like, think I think like you had a general idea, and I, I think the bigger thing is to say is like, this isn't a mark on somebody. If someone's listening, and they did spend twenty thousand dollars. This isn't like ah, oh, you did it wrong or a judgment on that. I think uh, part yeah. of it is that uh, my frustration, or when Matt would tell me this, is like it it I it should not be a deterrent from making something right. Like you hear twenty thousand dollars, and it can make you stop doing something immediately, right? Because you're like, yes, raise twenty grand to make three episodes of this thing. So it's just yeah. saying. You don't have to, like, you don't necessarily have to. So right. Um, right. once we realized like, okay, we're not going to do it for 20 grand. We think we can do it for a lot less. Um, well, it started just like, I mean, the, the original gestation, like the beginning, I remember is you sending me pages cause you were working as a tutor. So you were just yes. playing from your own life and going like, mm -hmm. here's a scene of me. So it started with script. And then we started, I think, banding around, like, who's the cast? I mean, we kind of approached it, I think in some ways, like savages of going like, who's the cast and can we sometimes film in the cast's house or the crew's <laughs> house? Um, and I think once we had the script and once it was, it was clear what it was, which was, it's very interior based, right? Like mm -hmm. it, it takes place in rooms. Yeah. Um, it became a little bit easier for us for, to bring down some of the expense. Cause we just started realizing like, okay, what kind of equipment do we have to shoot on to shoot the room well and light it well? And like, what are what are we really leaning on and the, it became very clear we're like oh performance we're, we're leaning on actors mm -hmm. i think so and i would say to anybody that is the first best way to create production value for yeah. uh, you know for anything you're working on is to hire as good actors as you can find you know because you can you can actors even the most even the busiest actor in new york or los angeles is not working most of the time and are willing to jump in on something that they feel is is well written, you know, and and that's in this case they they thought that way of of the script, so that was flattering. Um, and I think that's also true. Like Matt and I have at times found like looked at uh, photographs of DPs and other people or directors even that we know on certain projects, and honestly, you can kind of sometimes tell with even the photo. There's been times where we're like. 
I know this is shot well, but it looks dead. And there's part of it is that you're like the, the actor just doesn't have the charisma to hold the image. Oh yeah. You'll see that a lot. I, I feel like we, yeah, we, we definitely run into that. And it's, it's fascinating that sometimes even from a still of maybe like a student film or I, I don't know, some, some random thing you're looking at. And even in the still, there's something in the intensity of the actor's eyes or just the kind of point of view that feels that is vague where it seems uh, unfocused. Like you can just see an unfocused image. And a lot of times it's people that we've worked with where we're like, they're good. They're a really good DP. So it's strange that this image is, is off. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, actors, actors are a premium, right? Like scripts. I mean, it's always the basics, like a really good script and like some really good actors. And you, you're already like have a lot going for you. Yep. And I feel like I forget how the, how it all like stacked. I feel like with, I mean, we could talk briefly about our story, but as, as a way to serve who everything came kind of the only person who was a direct connection ask was um, we were familiar with uh, Kathleen McElfrish and Campbell Scott, who are married uh, and Kathleen and Mackenzie, my wife did a play in Boston, like five, oh God, you know, about five or six years ago. And through another play they did in D.C. 10 years ago, uh, I met Campbell and then we became friends. So I was like, oh, and also Campbell has this recognition. Um, he's superlative actor and somebody who I when I first met him as a kind of friend, I was like, oh, I'm a little starstruck <laughs> because I I coming from New York and like while going to indie films in high school, I, I I maybe not everyone knows him nationwide, but like I was like, oh, he's like he's he's it, you know? Yeah. Um, singles and Roger Dodger. I mean, when you told me yeah. he was going to do it, I mean, I was over the moon because I was just like, that, yeah. that's, and we can talk about that too. I mean, I've learned a bunch of, I learned a bunch of things on that, like one day of shooting with Campbell that I've used since. When he said yes, when he and Kathleen were like, yeah, we love it. It's, it's great. We're in. And I was like, oh, that was like the first kind of like time when someone was quote unquote attached to something I wrote. I mean, attached is such a silly word, but it was, it, it felt like, oh, they're in, they're in our, in our project that's cool. I, I never asked you this did you use campbell at any point to like leverage other actors or other people um did i no i don't think it ever oh maybe maybe like yeah because campbell i think was the first like get quote unquote and then after the word i think maybe yeah maybe yeah because i think afterward i asked my friend Wes Grantham, who worked at a performing arts high school, if he knew of a teenager who kind of fit the bill of this character, excuse me, of this character in the first scene of Adult Dead. And he's like, oh, yeah, this guy, Aubrey Joseph, he's amazing. And I was like, I just reached out to him. And I think his, I don't know who was like kind of handling him. Maybe his mom was answering the emails, but she was like, yeah, he'd love to. I was like, great. And then I, I, maybe I had pitched in the email that Campbell Scott was involved. So probably. And I right. do know that I did probably mention it to the third kind of get we got, which was um, Keaton Nigel Cook, who starred right. in Wiener Dog by Todd uh, Solons or Salons. Todd Solons? What is yeah, it? Salons. Salons. Uh, great actor, Keaton Nigel Cook. Um, and he was like, I think it was like, I forget what grade he was in at that point, maybe like sixth or seventh grade. And then he said yes. Uh, I think that did, I think having Campbell in the email did help for sure which makes sense because their parents yeah. are actually like probably saw singles and we're like oh i know who that i know who that is yeah i know these these actors the kids parents all were sort of fans i know but that that's kind of how it all laid out with actors and then suddenly we're like oh we've got like this cool cast all of a sudden plus my wife's uh illustrious credits at that point and 
you know, I've done a thing or two also. And, and then Sean, obviously he's talent on screen. I mean, you brought it basically like the lead guy in the episode three, but I knew you would like crush it because of the work you did in savages and other things. So it's nice. Cause I, I think I'm still the, the least accomplished person involved with the entire project. That's so. absurd. <laughs> yeah. But you, you're so funny about acting because like, I, I think you ought to pursue it, but I, I just think, well, we talked about it. You don't really yeah. want to just dive into the world of auditioning. And I, I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah, no, I love, I love, love, I really love acting and I miss it immensely. And it's something, you know what it is? And you really have, teachers have said it to me, but I've trusted it more when I've talked to you about it, is the difference between acting when you're on set and auditioning Mm -hmm. is just wild. And like, I've never been a person who could audition confidently. Like I'm so in my head, but I'm a person who, when I'm on set, like there's been a lot of times where it's been fun. Like where I know you've looked at me and you're like, you're going to do that. That seems crazy. But then sometimes in playback, it works. Cause I feel very free when I think, especially with film when I'm like, ah, we're going to shoot this like eight times. Anyway, I can yeah. really let my weirdness and like naturalness happen. Um, where I don't I heard- feel like that in a room, in an audition room, I'm just like, I have to figure out what you want, which you, which I can't do. Right. Well, the thing is, you don't have to figure I out know. what they want, but I, I understand. Intellectually, I know it that. still takes a long time. I go in that. the room. I don't know that, so I probably haven't even learned that either. But um, but yeah, no, we had a great cast. We yeah, we had and a I think really great we, cast. We um, I heard it actually put really well recently that with the career of an actor, quick sidebar is mainly the the work and the struggle of it is all the auditions and the 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 learning the sides and going into the rooms and like the between the job that's like the actual work like the nine to five of it was once you get hired and you're on set that's the vacation (laughs) you know what i mean like that's the break because it's totally fine yeah yeah and of course it's work and you have to devote yourself but that's the that's the kind of that's the fun stuff you know um yeah, so we then, yeah, all of a sudden had this this pretty cool cast lined up. I remember, like, going back and forth with you before we were about to shoot. I was like, all right, well, we have this cast. And then through a – and everybody's getting paid, by the way. I have to, like, mention, quick caveat. Everyone is getting the, the basic rate that you would get on a new media project. Everyone's getting – I think at that point it was just 100 bucks or 110 or something like 125. that. 125. I feel like yeah. Uh, it might have been 125 even then everyone's getting paid so so and the other thing about this is that when there is so much struggle when you're an actor even for like names like aubrey and, and campbell they're still they're still out there like slugging it out and often auditioning too so oftentimes just the straight offer i mean i i would i would be very careful if you're making a web series to hold auditions for it because i mean I don't know. I think you should just like use as many channels as you have to get your dream person, because I think it's more often you'll get a yes from an offer than would you like to come in and audition to some fancy person (laughs) or maybe not some fancy person and then put them through a bit more of a put them through the ringer a little bit more. It's, it's harder to get a yes. at the Yeah. End you know, I think it's a weird, I think it's a weird mistake that people can sometimes make because having and holding auditions feels professional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think people get it in their head of like, Oh, it, we, we have to hold auditions, even though I know this person or that person that would be great for it because I, I, I don't want it to seem like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. hundred percent. I think but that's I think why people try to raise $25,000 too. Because I agree. There's agree. These, these ways that you start to feel professional by like, I have a $25,000 budget. I'm having auditions. I've hired a casting director. We have 
we are getting a sponsorship from a local restaurant. Like these things that feel like they give the veneer of professionalism. In fact, can I've, I, we found get in your way, you know, oh, yeah. you can end up with a bigger crew than you possibly need, which is a lot. Oh, yeah. People don't realize that can be a big problem. <clears throat> so are you getting a little staticky? Oh, I was just going to say that people, people oh. don't realize that having a, like trying to get the biggest crew possible, like a Hollywood type crew can actually be a massive problem because it's just yeah. more people. Like every person that you add, you're going to slow down. And depending on how much, how long you have to shoot whatever you're trying to, like how much time you actually have, that's yeah. like the real efficiency because you're not paying people that much. If you are lucky enough to get some solid actors in, you know, they're going to want to, they're not going to want to stay past the things that's going to make you look not professional is not ending on time, not feeding them, right? Like not using their time definitively and in a good way. That's going to look way worse than not having auditions. Yeah. And yeah, I, I guess I, I'm sure sometimes there's been people who've come to like our set and they see like three people there and, some, <laughs> and, and are like, what? But once we get, once we get to talking and working and they see that we're, highly committed and, and have experience and intelligent on this level of telling a story. I think very quickly, all of the kind of, Oh, this doesn't feel like a big, big old crew, you know, that goes away really fast. Cause it well, we usually about have, the work. We usually have the experience of someone coming in, seeing our small crew and going, just so you know, I have to be out of here by six. Yeah. I know that's happened and then, many times. And then they have all of a sudden they say, I have a hard out. Yeah, I have a hard out at six. And then what usually happens is whether yeah. we end early or right on time, it's usually like, I can stay longer. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, do you guys need another take of the last one? Or like, do you yeah. want to redo anything? And, we're, and we never have. It's always, it's just like, always a really, it's nice to see them kind of people's, people's turn, turn <laughs> happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So we, so basically, so, all right. So we've, we've hired our cast. We have, I had done a, a series called the weekend detectives by, uh, Natalie Rich and Max Reinhardson, a really, really well done, uh, funny web series they made that played um, ITVF, actually, The Weekend Detectives. And I had like a supporting role in that. But through that, I met this really cool guy, Alex Heron, who was the DP on that project and his buddy, Nate Ackerman. And I didn't see the dailies. I was I was on set a few days and I, I had maybe peaked at Video Village a little bit. But really what struck me with Alex was his just chill composure throughout a really kind of frenetic process with it, because that was a big that was a big cast, a fairly large crew, um, still kept it orderly and like professional. But through all of it, I, I just uh, there was just a vibe that Alex gave that I I just I remember mentally noting it. And I was like, I want to work with him. And it more was just an attitude and uh, just a composure, you know, I mean, that I. I was like, I want to get down with that. He seemed like as stressful as anyone could be on set. He will find a way to like Zen your stress and take it down. <laughs> I've always felt that way. So I hit him up and asked if he was available to do, to do the, to do the DP duties. And it is, and he was like, yes. And I forget exactly what we paid him. It was not very much, but at this point he was still fairly out of school and just accumulating credits. And, but we still paid him, fed him, um, did all the right things uh and that was also the case for his basically right hand man one of his best friends and our sound guy nate ackerman who was also paid and kind uh you know transpoed we rented all the equipment basically 
Um, so we took care of a lot of things and, and made sure everyone got paid. But yeah, of course, we didn't give everyone their like $1,500 day rates of like some super professional DP. And I guess we could have and like really taken time to look for that for months and make it work out with their schedule. But I don't know. I don't regret not doing that at this point. I just wanted to work with people who were vibing with us. That was more important, you know? Yeah, I mean... I think each project, I mean, some projects demand that you have to spend more money in different places, but that, yeah. that you should be doing strategically, right? Like yep. if we had, if we had been doing a sci-fi, you know, series, if we had been doing a horror series, like our money would have just gone in different places. We might've been more interested in like, we need a DP who can work in this style and we also need special effects. So that's a totally different animal or how we're going to handle editing. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, but we knew, you know, you wrote a very character driven comedy. Mm -hmm. So like, it was just like, Oh, we're not going to need an insane amount of setups. Most of the actual shots we're going to be doing. I mean, you, you and I also had had a bunch of conversations as the writer and the director where like, I would ask you from the beginning, like, how do you think this feels? You know, and we would go back and forth and talk about like, okay, maybe it has some like free camera, like a, like some mumble core, like some mm -hmm. things that we had liked, but also it clearly had some like very simple two shot, you know, like traditional, yeah traditional sitcom kind of yep. um you know same but the single camera version of like so it just became clear like oh we're not gonna have to spend a lot of money in in the camera or electrics mm -hmm. department yep 100 percent. i would also say if you want to keep your budget down small small scenes i mean yeah you know we're basically here here's another thing i i think i see happen is people try to make a television show um <clears throat> Instead of it being what it is. I mean, the word web series, I don't know how it can strike it from the record, but unfortunately it's there. I mean, <laughs> nobody even says web anything anymore, but somehow web series is still is a thing. You ever, you ever hear the term webinar? It's the worst made up word, like a <laughs> seminar over online. I don't think it yeah. happens anymore. I don't think people say it anymore because oh, they happen. They happen so hideous. The Do they still use that word webinar? Yeah, absolutely. That's a crime. Think? That shouldn't happen. Um, Nonetheless, we still have to use the word web series, I guess. I don't know, because it's easily identifiable. But I think a lot of people also get into this, this thing with post-production and a large cast where they're trying to mimic the feel of a proper, yeah, a proper NBC single cam comedy. Or also I see with, with like title sequences and like there's a whole like minute long graphic like cartoon with the credits all really flashy there's a flashiness i see into the post-production that right. people are putting a lot of those thousands of dollars into frankly that I, I find superfluous it could be a taste thing so this might be just me being kind of a jerk and saying that i like a spare kind of look um i don't even know what we did for our, i think i just said <laughs> a typewriter typeface and alex our dp was amazing enough to edit that first season and uh i, I think we just threw up the words adult ed and like put well, our names on a I, white background i think you're hitting on some certain things though that are like coming up in different ways right it's like like trying to hold auditions because you feel like that's the legitimate way yeah. to do and you were using proper like a proper tv one i think like the web series needs to just hold its identity, whether it changes its name from a web series or something else. I think understanding you are not making an NBC TV show. You're not right. making an FX show. You right. might hope that it gets picked up to those things. Sure. 
But yeah. like those things are made for millions of dollars. But even if it did get picked <laughs> up to those things, they're gonna they will redo it. Like right. high maintenance got got onto HBO and they they redid high maintenance. They show the ver- the web version now on HBO. Uh, oh yeah, on, D- on demand. Oh, but like they made their version of high maintenance. People before they make a web series should go back and watch any of the available episodes of Broad City that are still on YouTube. Oh yeah, totally. Because Broad, yes. there's a great episode I show. I teach some filmmaking classes, and there's one yeah. I show in a web series class I teach because the students get very nervous. They're yeah. usually first time filmmakers of like. But I don't know how to make a movie. And I'll show them this one thing that's a long single take of them deciding if they're going to give money to a homeless person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does a bunch of things you were supposed to never do with the camera. The camera's shaky the entire time. It's mm. doing random close-ups at times. But yeah. you don't care because the actors are still amazingly funny. The situation yeah. is great. It's well-written. And it's just and it's short. Like you said, it's like a minute and a half. So you get in and out. And, yeah. and it all works. And I think people do get very caught up of like, I need this. It's an insecurity and, and also like a weird thing that people have, have taken as an accepted truth. Like I need to make this competitive with like a TV show that I'm going to see on TBS tonight. And it's, right. and you're not going to be able to do that. And it's also not necessarily what, if you're looking for larger life of it, that people are looking for, all they're looking for is like your voice and your imagination. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you yeah. can pull that off with nothing, it's actually more impressive, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, totally. if you can put on a sketch that's like hysterically funny and has such an amazing point of view that people want to see more of it, you know, th- that they're going to be more interested in that than what your credit seeking. Yeah, even if that's just like a two-shot medium of two people talking for 15 minutes on a bench, if it's, if it's well-acted and uh, crisply shot, I mean, you've got it, you know? I think there's a lot of, well, we've got to get all the coverages. We've got to get the long, we got to get the, 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 you know, and then the close and then really hype, just hyper professional thinking can get in your way of spontaneous, uh, spontaneous creative thinking. You know, I think you got to make it about making the thing first. I think, I think as soon as people start going like, where could this go? And I, I, I've been a, I, this has held me back at times for sure. Like, I think the Mm -hmm. moment you start going like, all right, but how are we going to sell this to HBO Max? Or how are we going right. to sell this to Hulu? Like, yeah. I'll say the game can change. Like, if you get to the point where you're already working with those entities, then mm-hmm. maybe putting more money in because you have the avenue to get people to watch it and any of that might make some sense. But I think if you yeah. don't, if you're not already dealing with people who are doing that, I think yeah. the biggest thing is just cultiv- making more and more material that people can see and cultivating who you are as a creator. Hundred percent, and yeah, exa- exactly. I think that I, and they, people bringing the idea of professionalism or the idea of an industrious sitcom to their vision is really just a a, a way of obstructing your voice. You know? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think it helps you. I mean, yeah. there's many examples. Maybe maybe we could throw some up because there's also like the the um, that show Insecure by Issa Rae on yeah. on HBO like that started also as, as, as awkward black girl and it's right you know and it's completely it does not look Insecure is shot amazingly and is beautiful right. like her web series does not look like that but her voice is so dominant in the web series that you're her like voice. Oh. Yeah, you're just like, of course, someone yeah. picked her up and we're like, we'll get you a DP and a lighting crew, man. You'll be amazing. 100%. And that is the value I find of uh, web series and podcasts and things like that. Is that like, right, voice is now, or specificity of voice is really uh, valued. 
Well, it has to be. I That's mean, the only way you can cut through. And it's trying it's to be fit into some mold or trying to be weird for weird sake instead of just being your specific, maybe, uh, maybe weird self. Someone's at my door. That's yeah, weird. get them, get them. Oh, I think, no, my wife's going to get it. It's probably a package, probably some shirt. Well, no, I, I think know. I think it's good for people to know that too. Like I write some strange, not mass market comic books. They all do pretty well in LA right now because there's so many avenues that people are looking for authenticity of voice that like most of the meeting, I had a meeting this week, you know, with a, a company of a director who I really love. And what they were saying is they're like, yeah, everyone sends us like the hot, the hot graphic novel that everyone's talking about. And they're like, they seem very similar to other books we read last year that were the hot thing. Mm-hmm. Like your thing is <laughs> like, we have some questions about it. Like parts of it, we're not sure we fully get, but like, it's definitely its own entity. So it makes mm-hmm. us interested in it. And I think right. that thing with the web series is like, you shouldn't be trying to ape what is on television. You should be trying to figure out like my crazy idea. Maybe I'm going to break some rules. Maybe I don't have the ability to film this in a normal way. So I'm going to figure out a different way. You just have to be entertaining and you. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. A good big example is my friend, uh, Chris Roberti has, he did this monthly, essentially like memoir that sort of is like a visual video poem where he narrates and the story is loosely connected. It's more of a meditation, but it's, I find it really compelling and beautifully shot. I think shot for no dollars. Yeah. Um, Super fascinating. Humans, the humane society. I would check that out. It's awesome. I think it's on Vimeo, maybe other, other places, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think even it's a great example. Like humane society for one that's really well shot and is being done in New York, like basically right now or very recently, I think awkward black girl, Issa Rae is worth, is worth looking at. And I definitely think like those early episodes of broad city are great to just be like, Oh yeah. This is what you can do with two friends fucking around in the street. Yeah, and I promise you, whatever, like all of those were probably shot for dollars, like yeah. not twenty to thirty thousand, right? I, I, I have to suspect that uh, just from watching them. I mean, I think the most expensive out of all of them I mentioned is probably the Issa Rae piece, just because it has a big cast. Right, right, right. With the others, I'm like, ah, I, I just don't think this costs that much for them to do. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think one thing we should talk about too is like. With the auditioning thing that Matt talked about, Matt, Matt, as an actor, and he has a great, I think being an actor, he has a great love of actors, and he's, he's very smart about who's, who he sees that has potential, maybe before other people. Like, I think you're a really good casting director. Um, one of the things that we lucked into, but it's something to think about, is like by not holding auditions and Matt just reaching out to people he thought had a spark, after our yeah. web was shot, like a bunch of those people became like famous, not because yeah. of the web series, but like they were doing other work at the time that like, yeah. it, and it helped us. It definitely helped us to suddenly have Aubrey Joseph on a, like as a lead in a Marvel TV show. It did. Yeah. That, I you think know. that's our most watched episode is, is his. <laughs> uh, he's amazing. Yeah. It, it is. A, it, it was, it did feel like we caught a good sense of timing with the actors. Um, uh, Aubrey Joseph, Dylan Frederick, who's got a, fun little scene in the last episode of the second season he went quickly onto the inheritance on broadway um yeah i think a lot of stuff like that has happened actually with us yeah yeah you know and i think i think there's something to be said about that of just like Mm -hmm. having faith in the people around you and surrounding them with other good people like there's something in the fact of like all ships rise with that it's like we took some chances on some people that we didn't know about and weirdly, tangentially, without them even doing anything, they they took off in other avenues, and it really helped us on the yeah. back end of things. Yeah, hundred percent, 
hundred percent. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a good balance when you're making something like this is to do your reach outs, your kind of like bigger asks, but also counter it with people, you know, well, and have worked with who you see a spark who maybe have not had the, uh, the venue to share it yet, you know? Right. I, I felt that uh, a lot of people should see Alex Ubogadon on screen, which um, he's done stuff before, but uh, I feel like I wanted to give him a little more, just a little more like stretching to do in a scene or two. So I feel like he comes off amazingly in the, in the second season. So and I, I, Also, it should be said that, is it fair to say that you've been cast more since Adult Ed? Yeah, I think, but you know, it's it's one of those things where is that just because I've been in the business longer and made more relationships, but et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, the answer is yes, a hundred percent. I mean, do you think your work and your ability of going into the room was at all affected by it? I don't really know. It's something I wonder about. Well, yeah, I mean, but this this also speaks to when we made the feature. I, no matter what you're going to get out of making your web series, if you're if you're the writer star of it, you're going to be. I think twice the actor on screen you were than when you started. You will be that when you, whatever I'm saying, uh, you, you will definitely take a take a. You'll big, improve. You'll improve. You will improve. I could just say that. I think so for sure. I think um, comedically, adult ed gave me a little more confidence. Also, because you're just cutting up your own footage so much, you just see right. what works. I have a, I have far less preciousness about seeing myself on screen. Like, I'm very comfortable with it. It's always a little, like, scary, but I can deal with it. Like, right. I know some people who still, like, won't watch what they're in, which I, I just, I find that nuts. Because to me, it's just a matter of finding ways to tweak what you're, what you're doing and, and improve it. So yeah. no matter what you get out of your web series, you will get a class in on-screen acting. And a class, frankly, in on-screen writing. And if it doesn't work out well, like, not a lot of people see it or like it. You're, you're in New York. How much does a class on on-screen acting cost? <clears throat> Oh yeah, <laughs> wonderful question. I mean, oh, what, what the ones I've recently taken, <clears throat> which have been good. I'd say like a four week class was probably five hundred dollars. But four I, weeks means one, once one a week, week, one three hour session. And how so long? And how much are you working in that three hour session? <laughs> for ten minutes. Yeah, that's a very good question. So forty minutes for five hundred dollars. <clears throat> Yes, correct. Sorry, not to get, but I mean, yeah. this is, I think, a worthwhile way of thinking about things because I know a lot yes, of people are on budgets and thinking like, okay, even $1,500, how can I afford that? Or even like 5000 like whatever it is. But I think ways of thinking about it is like, it's not just making a vehicle for yourself. It's making an opportunity for yourself to get better. Yes, yes, 100%, 100%. And yeah, maybe you shouldn't spend $20,000 on a class. Right. <laughs> because, <laughs> but you don't have to do that. You know? I'm, I, I am willing to teach some classes though. Like, and your, oh, and your investment of, again, like it's like the investment of money is like people, this is a tale as old as time in, in, in sort of show business. Like nobody knows what will hit. Nobody knows what will, what will be a flop. And the, that can be, people spend thousands of dollars. Um, I'm sorry, my God, millions, tens of billions of dollars on something that they, they've market tested and been sure is like, can't lose project and it just flops. Like greatness is hard to, to make. Right. So don't put all your eggs in one basket, really. Um, well, and also, I, if, you, if you think of it as a process of, of development, I mean, you're building a portfolio, but you're also getting better, right? Like you're giving yourself yeah. the, 
the experience. Like I'd say both you and I as actors, I know as myself as a director, going from Savages to Ed into the second season of Ed, I'm just way better. I've just gotten way yeah. better. I've gotten to do it. And because responsibility was on me to like make decisions and make it good for everyone. Yeah. And so yeah. I think if you think of it that way is like instead maybe 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 the project is such a passion that you have to do it for twenty thousand. Like I can't answer sure. that. But yeah. if it's not like I'm dying to do this, this is my absolute passion. If I only get to do this once, this is what it is. Yeah. You might think of like, well, if I can raise 20, like maybe I could make four of these for $5,000 each. Yeah. The experience. Yep. 100%. Yeah. I mean, Sean and I have this, this idea, this sort of series of shorts we've been back and forth about for a while. And we're trying to think like, well, we could like throw our eggs in one basket. What if we did like four of them for like $2,500 each, you know, right. Um, instead of like trying to raise 10,000 for one, you know, primo thing. If we made 20, if we made four for $2,500, I'm sure one or two of them will be really good. Yeah. And I'll say this, the yeah. arguments that Matt and I have are the same ones we're talking about on this in the terms of like, yeah. both of us fall into like, I just, do we want to do another short for like three grand? Like, aren't we more professional yet? Like, can't we do it? Shouldn't we be doing it for 17? Right. right. Or we build it in our head of like, well, maybe we'll get Sundance if we do it for 17. And it's like, well, we've already played some big festivals. I, I don't know that it's the money that's going to get us in the festival. Another, another thing I will say, <clears throat> as far as these budgets that I find that are like 20,000 plus for a web series is that a lot of people do a lot for uh, press and like a PR person. Right. We've never done that. So yeah. that's not, I guess it's not fair for us to speak about it. I don't know ultimately the yield off of that today. Like unless you uh, have a splashy feature in a major publication, I don't know how much of a dent it does in your numbers of views or <clears throat> I think the other thing I feel about if you see a web series in a kind of few publications at once, people are savvy now and they'll readers will think, Oh, they have a, they hired a publicist to get yeah. them in this article. I mean, I wonder, I don't know if readers do, I know you and I do like, it can well, be very obvious maybe. at this point when you see, yeah. when you see certain yeah. articles and you're like, Oh, such and such got a PR agent. Good for I them. wonder who their PR yeah, person I wonder is. Who's yeah. for them. Right. So, <laughs> right. But I will say like a PR person is not going to help you get into a, a, a major festival. I don't really think so. And a PR person isn't, isn't really going to, maybe they'll get you a meeting, a couple of meetings, but a PR person is not going to get you a yes from Netflix or something like that. You no, know I, I mean, mean, I think if you're going to get a PR person, have a real definitive plan when you sit down with them about what you want. Yeah. yeah. And also understand that like media turns, like media cycles end, right? So like, you're going to have to get yeah. everything you, you make sure you know what you want and that you're going to be able to get every drip of it during the period of them being hired, right? Because once that's over, yeah. there's another web series with somebody else who hired a PR agent yeah. takes their spot. So, yeah. you know, if it's like, I, I want to sell this or I want to get meetings with these people, or I think it'll get me an agent. Like, just know those things. And, and then you can also help target what your PR agent is doing and your own efforts. Yeah, 100%. And as far as, um, <clears throat> I mean, production, the way, you know, we won't be on too much longer, but as far as like, <clears throat> excuse me keeping costs down while we shot uh that really just had a lot to do with like keeping the days short yeah keeping really filming a lot of pages in one day which a lot of people think is just exhausting i mean we had a pregnant woman uh <laughs> expecting our son <laughs> who worked to you know to the bone for like six hours and then like just had a crash but we cycled our day around that and in the last six hours we shot another five pages outside but 
the, the advantage of like those days where you do 10 to 12 pages is that you're not luxuriating in a certain coverage. You're not uh, over investing in one shot or one setup. You're, you you kind of got to keep it moving. And frankly, if you're trying to get a lot of pages in one day, the momentum, it's kind of like uh, when you I was a waiter, you'd have to, when you get a rush, you'd have to really juggle for a while and it would, it'd be a little overwhelming for a few hours, but like the time would fly just like that. Yeah. I think part of it is just knowing that you, you have to know what you need. I mean, on the directing side, I would say like when you're shooting that many pages, you're just like, you have to know at the very basic, what is, what do I need out of this? But I will ask you this. Don't you feel like when you're finally at the end of the day and all the footage is there, you're in the editing room. Don't you feel like even if you maybe didn't get everything you wanted or maybe the day went got ahead of you, don't you feel like in the editing room you can always kind of put it together? I think you know. Maybe not. I mean, I I think you can if you have a bit of a plan. Like, I think the nature of the projects we've done, it's, it's built in of like, it always works the same way. Like I'll do a ton of pre-production. I'll do some storyboards. I'll show up within a couple of conversations with you and then getting to the space. I'll throw out all of those because it does not fit the space we're in. Because a lot of times right. we're getting into the space oh, yeah. moment we're shooting, yeah. right? Which is, which is, which is hectic. Mm-hmm. However, the storyboards gave me what the actual story between the characters is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that I can go, yep. okay, we're in a gym. This is not laid out like any gym I've ever been in. So like, and I didn't understand it from the photo. So like, yeah. This, but I do understand that I want this reveal to happen really close on their face so we can improvise to get this. But also this thing's really wide. So maybe we can rig up a one shot of them walking through. Like it, it's being yeah. open. I mean, it's a hard thing to say because I think it's a matter of being open to the opportunities, but also knowing like definitively what is the story that I need to get across so that you can at least have that when you get to the editing bay. Yeah. Yeah, because I do think like that. I, I actually think the reverse. I think sometimes people get really obsessed with specific types of shots or camera movements that they need, and then they get in the editing bay and they're actually missing the story beats that they need. Oh yeah, like, that they're like, I have all these great shots, but I don't actually have like them just fucking talking to each other in a yeah. way that is clear. Well, I think the, I've well, I've been lucky having you as a director who's a writer. I think you really are. And, and in the edit, too, you're very much like every scene, every shot is story, story, story. What What is the next step in this journey where you don't really I mean, I, I think maybe sometimes I want to leave some lines in because I like the funny <laughs> or something. But I think you really uh, yeah, like you really hacked up the first scene. I mean, the first scene in Adult Ed is basically Mackenzie being like, well, I got a new job and uh, you make no money. So I got the dick now. It, it used to be like this whole long conversation um about uh, i mean some bad like you know jokes and whatever and you're like what's the story cut to credits the credits uh, yeah the story is what the story is um i'm not the breadwinner anymore and you're pregnant and i gotta figure my shit out credits go to the first client i think it was all a totally different on the page it was a very very different thing so yeah if it's you can have a director who comes from a writing background and who's very concerned with story, I mean, that, that also helps. I mean, that's also to credit, that's your production value because I didn't pay you anything except a bagel and a train ride. Yeah, but also you were giving me a chance. I hadn't really, sure. I hadn't really directed anything, not, at least not on my, like, on my own. Like Savages was a collaborative effort. Sure, um, sure. It was a different beast than that. I think, yeah. I think though you do bring up something because we have seen friends who've given us web series that have gone slightly awry. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. And ask for advice. I will say, I don't know if you agree with me on this sometimes. And it might be my bias as a director and my own ego, but there's times where I watch it and I'm like, 
where the fuck did they find this person? Did they know this person when they hired them? Yeah. Or like, how yeah. did this come about? And, and there's been times where you've told me like, well, they met this person, this person had gotten a degree from this place. So they thought that was going to be all they needed. But I think part of what works for you and I is one, we know each other. So there's a lot of trust. So when I'm going to hack up stuff, you're like, I don't think Sean's just doing this for some crazy. No, you no, know, I trust you. Yeah. Right. And also I know when I'm, when I'm going through that, I'm like, a lot of times I'll go off, not do it in the editing. I'll do it on my own editing, like cheaply just to sh- try and show what it would look like. Right. Like, yeah. as opposed to saying to the editor, this is what it's going to be. I'm like, let me fuck around with it at home on final cut. It'll be yeah. a bad version, but you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I do think like the director, the actors are massive. A director can also like, even more than the actors can really fuck up your film. Yeah. So yeah. I think like, that's a big, that's a big high. If that's a big hire, there's just been a couple of times lately where Matt and I have seen things where we both have just been like, okay, they had a budget. They brought this person in and I'm, I, I feel like the director's actually what's holding this thing back. Yeah. So I think yeah. like having conversations with them about what the story is, getting getting a sense that they know about story. Like I'm I'm teaching film right now and my students who've taken some classes are sometimes like, "Oh, it's so great. Like you really talk about story as opposed to just like camera angles and camera shots and things that actually I'm not as good yeah. at, that I rely on my DP for a lot of the time." That I'm like yeah. Like I'll talk to Alex or any, or Ben is another DP I work with. And sometimes I'm communicating to them. All right. Story beat of this is this, this is what they're feeling. So like, yeah. I need a camera angle that's going to elicit this, you know, and yeah. that's, that's where I'm not as strong Is like, there's times where I'm just leaning on them and they'll show me a couple of options and I'll be like, Oh, that one's great. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I just think that's a big thing is having someone who, if you're the writer star, you need a real partner. Just think of it that way. You need mm. a true partner with you to direct it. <clears throat> yes i would really say so work. yeah so I, I i would say right i mean be careful not be careful but take your time to find the right that right person because if you don't necessarily have a good story director who is a close friend then maybe it does take a little bit of time to search for the right person for this project and it, it's worth investing time to vet those people and see all of their work really and have a lot of discussions about what's going on and not just going for maybe just the resume or yeah. Like what film school they went to, you know? Yeah. Cause with um, the web series, you're going to be trying to hit moments because everything's small yeah. anyway. I mean, yeah. Right. You, a lot of people you've talked to were in theater and I would say to them, I'd be like, I bet you have a theater director friend who you know, and really totally. thinks good, who would love to take a shot at film. And yeah, that 100%. I would, I would say do that before you hire a stranger from grad school. And that's the same thing with actors too. There's a lot of like amazing theater actors that uh, we brought in to this who who right. done a, a lot of stuff on screen. But the opportunity to like stretch stretch it in like a character for like a scene that's longer than like half a page uh, is an opportunity a lot of people don't get in the city. You know, so right. so you will you'll find more more people who are who are excellent and game than you think. Certainly in New York, I can't speak to LA. Uh, I haven't done as much there. But and then as far as you know, to quickly wrap up as far as like post-production and getting it out there i mean you know we we were lucky to get a couple of favors alex our dp did the edit um for you know a nominal fee and it was incredibly helpful those people do exist though they do certainly on the younger side and as far as getting it out there and then distributing uh distributing it yeah that's free (laughs) if you're going to do a self-distribution there's really very little money invested in that as far as like youtube Instagramming clips of it, Vimeo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is harder. I will say now the kind of the way the algorithms are set up on social media, it seems far less 
propelling of independent creators. Uh, it felt differently like five or 10 years ago. Like, you know, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. well, I, I think it's just, there's so much content everywhere. It's, it's so hard to get people. To I talk mean, this is something it. Sean and I talk about all the time. How Most are we going to get content. it out there? Yeah. And, um, and one thing I'll say too, is like, if you want to go the festival route or aiming for routes, right. I, maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but like, cause we, we got a little bit lucky. I would say don't rush to throw it online. Like yeah. some festivals will discount you if you have already placed your, your web series online. Yeah, I would. Right. That is a good question. Certainly with web series, it's a little, it's a little gray area ish, but generally if you already shared it, the festivals will not um, honor you. Yeah. Not, not, it's not like, it's not a hundred percent rule. Some festivals don't yeah. care, but yeah. there, there definitely are some festivals that. And yeah, you should spring for 50 bucks for the major festivals, but that's about four or five. So that's yeah. about 250 bucks there. The rest of the smaller festivals, you should, you should find those emails. You should send a trailer or maybe a sample scene, plead your case and try to get a waiver because those exist and they're yeah, out there and you ought to take advantage of them. Especially if your web series has a niche. Like if you're like, yeah, this is, you know, like if it's a specific type of story you're telling, like aiming that towards festivals that are specific, you know, that helps or, and, or festivals in general, just going like, this is why the, like, why did you make it? Telling them why you made it and what's important about like how you did your hiring or everything that will resonate with, with programmers. It's, I will say like, Having done that a lot, like it's getting also a little bit harder to get waivers. Waivers are always hard, but I mean, I, I think those people exist to be asked. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, like you don't get paid when your film gets into a, a film festival. So I think there's no shame. Oh, yeah. Like, hey. We can talk about that. I want to talk about all the reality of festivals. Uh, we should do that actually next. I think that would be really smart. Sure. Uh, the money, the money you lose. Yeah. Um. Because, but okay. frankly, no, but if, if somebody accepts you on a waiver, they know that, all right, well, even if they accept them, like, they're going to come, they're going to have their friends, their friends are going to buy tickets, their family's going to buy tickets to see this, they're also going to buy beer, they're going to buy, like, popcorn, so that's about 150 bucks. Even if we let this thing in for free, we're still making money off, you know what I mean? So it's kind of a, they're passing the cost um, down. Yeah, it's a different so, starter. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so I uh, hope that was helpful. It feels pretty <laughs> succinct, so I don't know. Um, I'm going to go uh, greet Spring. And um, all right, well, thanks for talking, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, see you later. All right, see you. Bye.